Hello and welcome to Eldritch Extras. How are you doing, Mike? I'm uh, I'm fabulous. How are you? Yep, I'm good. So we should introduce ourselves. I'm Paul Fricker. Uh, I'm Mike Mason. And, and this again, is Eldritch Extras. It sure is. So this is the extra show we do alongside our uh, fortnightly stories. And uh, we're I think we're five stories in now. Yeah, I'm, I have no idea. idea. I'm not <laughs> keeping count. So, Possibly uh, four stories in. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what what you been up to, Mike? Um, what I've been up to: uh, working and reading. Uh, been uh, I've got a, a few new books on the go. I've been uh, started playing Diablo Four with my son. We kind of in, we played through the last version of the game a few years back, and we you know cooperatively. Uh, so we downloaded a new one, and I've just started playing that one. Um, and uh, also, my son is watching for the first time uh, Twin Peaks. So, uh, oh, what? He, he'd, he'd already started the first series. So, um, while he's been back with me for a few days, uh, we watched the last two episodes of the the end of the first season. So that's as far as he's got. And I checked oh. whether whether he knew, you know, what you know, knew more about this, the actual show. Yes. Whether, you know, and and no, he's got it all. It's all you know, new to him in that regard. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, especially when we get to uh, Series 3 and, you know, Twin Peaks of Return. So well, with all the wonders that that uh, provides. Or indeed early on in Season 2. I mean, there's, I get it. I'm sure it's something people have probably heard of, but probably don't know much about because I don't think it pervades modern culture very much. I mean, it's just like an old show that, because even like the new Season 3 that came out, what about? Five years ago now, I'm guessing. Yeah. It wasn't like massively popular, I don't think. I don't think it sort of reached, you know, a massive audience. I don't really know, but um but it was certainly it was fantastic. I mean, I think it's probably Lynch's maybe his best work. Well, possibly. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, it all comes down to uh, you know, where where your preferences fall, doesn't it? But I mean, yeah, I mean it's uh it's um interesting you know the 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 difference i watched actually it's i don't know if i mentioned this i watched the documentary lynch oz which is um i think it's on prime or netflix one of them um and it's a um uh documentary uh but it's in uh several kind of chapters like five or so chapters and each chapter kind of is standalone and it's a different most well filmmaker or someone you know who's got a, an interest in in lynch yeah um and really talking about you know their their view on things but it but it's all around the topic of lynch's influence how he's been influenced potentially by the the wizards of oz film because obviously there's a lot of um a lot of stuff turns up in lynch you know material that is a kind of direct parallel to uh the wizards of oz you know like the red shoes and clicking heels and yeah i mean we definitely see that in wild at heart wild at heart is probably the most but even in you know mulholland drive and and yeah many of the other pieces uh, and twin peaks as well uh and so it kind of explores those kind of links and uh there's various people. There's the uh, Benson and Moorhead who did uh, oh, yeah. the filmmakers who did Resolution and The Endless and yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, 
So that's quite interesting. Uh, John Waters, a filmmaker of you oh. know such classics as Female Trouble and uh, Pink Flamingos, Pink Flamingos, which so I made the spray. I mean, uh, again, yeah. you know, interesting kind of uh, chapping in of himself. Uh, but so, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's you know an interesting watch. You know, it's uh, you know you just sort of kind of come away with because uh, there's lots of clips of the Wizard of Oz and obviously Lynch stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Wizard of Oz stuff, you're kind of like, yeah, <laughs> it's quite bizarre at times, isn't it? Um, oh well, yeah. yeah. Um, so so. Where is this documentary? Do you know? It's on, it's on it's on streaming. It's on um right. or it might be channel four in the UK. It's just called Lynch slash Oz OZ. I've got to see um, this. And uh it's well, you know, if, if know you're into it. the kind of you know that kind of I stuff. like Wizard of Oz, I like David worth, Lynch. What worth, can we... <laughs> worth a look. <laughs> I like those people you mentioned as well. So yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. Because if you I love watching Lynch talk about anything. But he never, and I love watching him talk about his movies too. Yeah, but he yeah. never really tells you too much about his films. He'll say, I don't know, he'll say like Eraserhead is my most spiritual film, or and he'll say, you know, Inland Empire is about a woman in trouble. That's about as far as he goes, and yeah. it, it's very much his ethos that it's up to you to interpret it um, and to um... talk about it and understand it yourself. There's a there's a really great clip of um it's a very short clip in in the documentary of him being uh interviewed by Mark Commode, the you know the English yeah. um film critic. And it's only a, it's, it's a, like the little little bit of the last of the conversation where 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 Commode sort of says something like, So so that's um what I suggest is an interpretation. And I know you know you don't normally comment on anything like that, but could you at least just give me a clue whether I'm, I'm kind of hot or cold, right? Kind of, you know, in terms of the interpretation, and, and I can't remember what Lynch actually said, but basically on the lines of "No, no, you're completely wrong." Basically, oh, really? Something like that. And just a really short clip. Oh, that's less. That's fun. that's more specific an answer than I would have expected. Yeah, actually, yeah. A, a negative is, is sometimes as good as a positive. So oh, that'd be interesting then. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because so, there was a YouTube, oh, I watched a few years ago after season three came out, and we might have talked about this previously, but I think it's worth bringing to people's attention. Um, there's it's a very long YouTube, it's about an hour and a half or something. Oh, yes, that, that has got a, a guy's interpretation and understanding of, I think, all of Twin Peaks, and yeah, yeah. Right through all three series, and, isn't it? Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, when you take little bits of it, you're like, oh, yeah, really. But when when it when you listen to it and listen to his explanations, and he refers to sources of things that Lynch has said, and and the logic of it, and, and where things have come from, it's a it makes some very convincing arguments. Some really, yeah, really interesting arguments, which I've totally forgotten. But they were very interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, again, I can't remember it all. I mean, it's it's like three or four hours long isn't it the, oh it's the, yeah the, it's yeah. huge um yeah. and um i seem to remember it's something you know his theory is that it's the whole of twin peaks is really a kind of lynch's response or illustration of the kind of the tv business or film business. yeah and the effect of television yeah, and, i think and, uh, yeah uh, and so forth but yeah and I mean, with it's, about, it's just about, even even if 
the guy is completely off base with his interpretation. It's still fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Because, because, you know, there's a lot of kind of things you're going to go, Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds right. You know, but you know, whether it's true or not, who knows, but uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of like thinking um, it gives me an excuse to kind of, um, I, I probably won't obviously see everything that, uh, my son watches in terms of uh, in watching his way through series two, but uh, it kind of gives me a kind of an excuse to kind of maybe rewatch series three again. So mm. uh, which is probably due for a rewatch. I've only watched it the uh, the ones when it came out. So um, and that's some years ago now. So it's a while back, and you know, any chance to see Frogmoth? You know, oh God, the Frogmoth! Well, <laughs> so, and also, I mean, when I said I think it's his best work. Uh, apologies to people who aren't fans of Lynch, but you know, this is what you get. It's it 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 kind of reflects a lot of his other films. So I think there's quite a lot of Mulholland Drive in there. Um, there's quite and there's there's bits that sort of reminded me, you know, when with the boxing glove and stuff, it and the sort of characters in that one, it sort of reminded me quite a lot of Wild at Heart. And I think it's episode eight or whatever it is where it's about the Holocaust. Well, not about the Holocaust, but about uh, the atomic bomb and so on. It's like that was very eraser head in the sort of tone and feel of it. It felt well, yeah. I mean, it felt like yeah, the, the voice kind of felt, felt like, like a real... eraser head. You couldn't turn the dial up anymore, but then he does. Then he does. Yeah, yeah. It's it like definitely, yeah, it kind of brings together visually, at very least, let alone thematically, a lot of these kind of pieces, as you say, from his film work. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It always feels to me like. You're watching a film sometimes or a TV show, and part of my brain sort of thinks, oh, wouldn't it be weird or strange if they did this thing or if they just kept doing this thing? But they never do. Yeah. But Lynch does. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, he can't carry on doing Oh, he is carrying on doing it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like, I mean, it sounds very banal and dull, but somehow he makes it effective. There's that one episode where you've got the guy sweeping up in the bar. Yeah. And I yeah. think he just carries on sweeping up for about five or five minutes, seven or minutes of screen time. Yeah. yeah. And part of me sort of feels like, am I just being a sucker here and just buying into this? But then again, I'm enjoying it and I don't know well, why. Yeah. But you, you look at, um, I mean, this happens a load in Lynch films where you've got the main kind of characters and then to the side in the background, you've got some. NPC for the sake of uh, you know wording, yeah. who just sat there and and then the camera kind of pans onto them or cuts onto them for a little while and they have nothing to do with the, the main plot but they and it just kind of captures their moment in time yeah and uh, and and it kind of pauses on it and it I don't know why but it has this it, it kind of has this effect doesn't it it, it kind of I'd, you know. I mean, I know nothing about life to some degree. I, don't I know, know nothing about directing films, but I, I I feel like he's a very good director because when he puts the camera on someone, he seems to be able to get a lot out of them doing very little. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't know how he does that, yeah, but yeah, it's I find he it very also used some really really good actors. I mean, that, that yeah, helps, I guess. I mean, you got Harry so. Dean Stanton and and people like that. He's, he's in. Um, the third series, isn't he? I think Harry Dean Stanton for a few uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in a lot, but he... But One yeah, of his last yeah. roles. I mean, I mean, the third series is really a uh, a collection of... Nearly everyone who's ever appeared in a, in something Lynch has made is in series three of... of uh, to some degree, anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> do you think you could make a game around Twin Peaks or well, take I think inspiration people have, people have from tried, it? haven't they? There, there, there are, are there are games out there that you know haven't obviously licensed Twin Peaks or so forth, but they've you know emulated the feel mm. or, or attempt to. I don't. I, I can't say I've, I've looked at all of them closely to kind of say whether how successful they've been. Um, but it's something that's always been on my mind in terms of that kind of how do you emulate that in a game sense? Because I mean, Twin Peaks is possibly the the bedrock for that in terms of all of all of kind of Lynch's work because you have a you have a set a clear defined setting, you have a clear kind of range of characters that you could you know bring into a game, and you have a clear kind of you know start point if you if you are just mirroring the actual you know series story. Uh, with the uh, the death of Laura Palmer, and it's an investigation, of, and it's an investigation. So you've got you've got the ingredients there to kind of form a game out of, um, and um, or you could just kind of have the game about you know different people in the community, um, and then the you know because there's plenty of weird stuff around it. You know, with the whole kind of Twin Peaks verse, uh, mm. the, you know the 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 Black Lodge and the the Buckhouse Boys and 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 and, and and so forth. There's, there's lots of groups and you know secret connections going on that you could you know use to fuel kind of some sort of drama. Um, so I think it's doable. I think the, the trouble with trying to be trying to be Lynch in a game is that you are constantly looking for weirdness and trying to kind of out weird things. And often, um, yeah, Lynch stuff can can get quite weird, but it's a lot of it isn't. Or, mm. or it's very subtly weird, not not in your face weird a lot of the time. And so there's a danger with a game where you just kind of go overboard and it becomes kind of a kitchen sink of everything. And it's not actually doesn't feel like um a lynch kind of atmosphere in that sense, I guess. So I think Yeah, I think that would be difficult to capture. Like the scene in, you know, if you took well, not Twin Peaks, but say Blue Velvet was a scene the scene I was thinking of when Carl McLaughlin finds the ear just out in a field or a park or something and that is super creepy and weird atmosphere i don't i mean mean, you can try and emulate that in a game but i mean the trouble is we're emulating in a game the only thing you can really emulate is the kind of the plot and 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 characters but obviously in a in a in a lynch production the music plays such an important oh it does yeah. I mean, it, I think you know, if you try watching something by Lynch without the music, I think it's almost like a different film, almost, and um, and almost you kind of think with if you're doing a a, a a tabletop game of it, you kind of almost need need that soundtrack in a way, yes. to kind of, because that that will help the tone and the mood, and certainly help the atmosphere of the game to kind of make it feel like Lynching in that respect. But but obviously that's a that's not yeah you know you're totally right i mean the the music and the sound of soundscapes which is often like wind and and so on that that lynch uses or the heavy um, industrial kind of sound yeah as well it just so it's just yeah it's just it takes you into that that place i mean there's a a twitter account um called sign peaks i think which is like scenes from seinfeld with twin peaks music put over top (laughs) it's <laughs> fantastic i can imagine it just changes the entire tone oh my god you know yeah suddenly, suddenly what's i mean you're right though it totally dark. changes it it soon becomes as this dark undercurrent because that's what yeah. lynch's music tends to do it seems to kind of like push in this dark undercurrent so even if it's a very 
light scene or normal scene it's got this kind of foreboding kind of feeling about it you know there's something about to happen or mm. something that's quite right and and so forth and and, it, and you're trying to create that atmosphere at a gaming table without the music is a pretty tall order it's like, it's like saying yeah every game of you know every, every horror game call of cthulhu or whatever it's got to be really really scary all the time you, you, you can't you no. can't do it no, no horror film works like that you know so and, uh, and other times he'll use like a, a crashing like rock track or something like that yeah. you know um but, but always to good effect and i think using music in your games can be effective but it's a lot to manage um, it is i mean it's interesting because i mean i'm i'm looking at some of the feedback we've had from other shows mm. uh, and, and and obviously at that point i should say please you know send in your feedback we always like to get it um but craig craig coventry uh was talking about you know suggesting topics we could explore and this kind of starts to bleed into that one because he was talking about um uh approaches in terms of keeping things fresh uh for horror games particularly with the veteran players and music is a, is is one way to kind of refresh things almost because if you don't use music as a backdrop to your games um that can certainly um potentially you know give a fresh take to it i don't know what, what's your thought on have you ever used music in a game paul yes i think one place that it worked well and easily was at the start of um a regular campaign that we used to run i think we used to do it for Oz magica i think we used to do it for a few different games and we'd have like a theme tune and that just yeah, you, know, you just play it obviously just for a few minutes while you're giving out the character sheets and then you know you'd stop the music and you'd start the game and it was a good way of kind of communicating or getting people in the right headspace and also yeah. signaling right we're starting now yeah and i think that's the point of music on a tv show isn't it you hear the music it all comes back to you you've got the feel you've got the emotions yeah. uh, and that's the point of it so if you can choose a good track whatever that might be it might be instrumental it might be you know a popular track you know, whatever it is it just kind of captures the feel i think i used something from anyway i can't remember what it I, it's escaping my memory what it was but um we did try a few times to use tracks in particularly dramatic scenes i remember one friend used um kamina barana or however you say it uh in like a lord of the rings battle scene in using merp awesome. uh to, to great effect that was that was pretty awesome um and then sometimes when we were playing i remember when we used to play um cult uh with scott we'd have uh just a kind of a, a compilation of uh kind of industrial kind of music in the background yeah uh, and that kind of gave an eerie yeah feel sometimes because it was just a compilation uh sometimes it would feel like it was clashing a bit with what we were doing but often it just i think it just lent uh, an atmosphere uh, i wasn't familiar yeah. with the tracks particularly so they didn't take me out of the game but i think that is one danger that, that can happen using music what about yourself have you I mean, used yeah music I have, in gaming I have, much? um from time to time uh with a home group i haven't used it on in online gaming because i'm not sure whether it's I, I just feel it might intrude too much online and you know but um but you know around the table i've used yeah i mean i i i purposefully avoid anything with um singing people speaking in it because um that is i just find that too distracting for me let alone the players um so it always tends to be kind of uh, either you know 
the kind of classic stuff uh if i was running call of cthulhu then if it's the 20s and maybe play some kind of jazz music that kind of period mm. kind of pieces just to kind of again you know more earlier in the games when it's kind of setting the scenes and the players are going around those kind of places where they might hear it on the radio or in a bar or whatever um and i've used those kind of things um but i tend to use more kind of you know what we'd call soundscapes um uh and and basically get two one's kind of for normal play and it's just a bit of background kind of setting the mood really and then find something a little kind of darker more sinister and tend to kind of play that towards the end of a game or when you know the big bad's about to appear or something's happening and and then uh because because then i've only got two tracks to worry about because that's the other thing yeah when you introduce music it's yet another job for the gm to manage absolutely Um, and and so you know and and it's really easy just get everything all lined up and then just forget to use it because you're concentrating on the game quite or you press the wrong track and it oh yeah it totally breaks there are some um you know in in modern times there are some better facilities for that there are you know uh yeah um things that you can you know one tap will do it and and you can set it all up and it will just play through uh, kind of stuff and some really good kind of specifically for RPG kind of resources for that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I really find good. though, when you get to the end of the tape and you have to turn it over, that sometimes <laughs> breaks the mood as well. I just That's get up I'm and finding. turn the turn the, uh, turn the album over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that, uh, you know, as I think is sometimes quite effective. It, it, it all comes down to finding the right piece for the right game in a way. And, and I do, but I do think if I was to give it, you know, try out a kind of a, a lynchian style game i would definitely try and find or use i mean I've, I've you know i already own a lot of the lynch soundtracks from his movies because i like them um so i i'd purposely use some of those to try and engender that kind of um ap, you know lynching atmosphere mm, mm. again that's certainly what i do what about i'm just you know away from music thinking of craig's um point about keeping things fresh horror fresh for veteran players is there any Things that jump to your mind. Horror on? fresh sounds like some sort of cleaning product strap. Fresh frying tonight. Keep it horror fresh. fresh. Tonight. <laughs> uh, other things to keep games fresh. I mean, I'm still on the. I'm sorry, I'm still on the music track in in my head. Uh, I'm just thinking, like for Four Fathom Five, my whaling ship one. I did use sea sounds for that, and that that was something you could just keep rolling in the background. Yeah, so you knew perfect. they were going to be on the ship the whole game, so you can just get the waves and the seagulls or whatever in the background. So that's kind of a uh and an easy easy one to do uh, other things to keep the game fresh i don't know i mean just not using old stereotypes i guess you know trying to avoid just trying i mean i think if you've got an interesting game um and interesting characters and so on you can have you can have the same old story again if it's done in an interesting way and when i say the same old story i mean you can certain the, the fact that you've got certain elements in there so let's say it could be in Innsmouth it could be with deep ones and that could be very cliched and stereotyped and and you know we've seen it all before or it, if it's done interestingly then it could still be still be great fun and very engaging and that's the the crux of the question I suppose is how do you do that how do you make it interesting uh, and I suppose I don't I don't really have an easy answer to that. I think you just have to 
look at it and think, well, does that excite my imagination or does that just bore me to, as, as, a, yeah. as a reader? I, I mean, one thought that comes to my mind is that um, there's a lot of scenarios and, and veteran players will have played a lot of scenarios that are very much the kind of um, monster of the week or mm. haunted house of the week kind of thing, you know, one shot kind of style scenarios where, where, you know, it's, it's very much about you are entering into the situation and yeah, there's a bit of risk when you're stood in the haunted house because you might get hit by a thing or the monster might come up through the floorboards, but it's not, it's not a personal, you're not invested personally in the same way unless it's your house and you actually live there. So there's a lot of times where you are you are, you are brought in or you end up in in the plot, uh, but you're not intrinsically connected to the plot other than as an investigator. Mm. Um, so um, what would be cool is to having done those kind of style of games uh, or even with the same characters, is look for ways to now to um, you know ingrain them into the plot. So making the plot personal to the characters. So therefore, yeah. um, they're not now observers and investigators to the horror. They are the center point of it. And because obviously that, that works really well in the kind of campaign sense because they've spent all these years yeah. investigating the mythos, you know, as, as a kind of, as a remove almost and had some close encounters and all the rest of it. However, now we're dealing with the after effects of what, what latched onto them or what, what, what is, what have they kind of, taken in unwittingly or, or or wittingly you know the the books they've read the spells they've learned the encounters they've had um what how has that affected them and what and what in terms of the mythos is kind of now keeping an eye on them and kind of wants to you know wants them almost it's kind of like is is, is you know and so kind of making the plot personal to them kind of and refreshes the horror because it's now about them it's not about the haunted house it's about them and 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 it and it kind of uses the you know the kind of the the a similar plot to the film it follows you know wherever they go it will follow them it, mm. you know whatever they do it will follow them it will get to them it's like being chased by a hand of windlass it will get to them i've got yeah. something at the door so i've got to go and answer that hang on a minute okay, <laughs> okay so these ones we're not editing these so well that's that's like a I don't know, a golden rule that we're not going to edit these for like half an hour or so. So Mike's gone to answer the door. So I will say, like, I think it's as I talked about last time in that with that Stephen King book, I think a lot of it is about making your characters, making characters you care about. Um, because he really made me well, or characters I'm interested in, I think. Hello, Mike. Hello. Was it I something got, I got important? Package. Unfortunately, it wasn't for me. Well, that's it's no good, is fun. it? <laughs> so I was just saying, like, like that yeah. um, Stephen King book I was talking about yeah. last time, I think, he really gave me some interesting characters that I was interested in and sort of came to, I guess I would say, care about, you know, paints enough of a picture that you feel you relate to them and you feel like you care about them. So I think that's one thing, but I'm not sure that that's necessarily essential. Because you've either got, I think, one of two things. I think you've either got characters that you're really invested in and you're really interested in, and that's often the case with, if you follow any kind of soap opera, I think that's what happens, isn't it? And the actual plot lines and stories don't have to be that interesting. But if you're really invested in the characters, 
then you become interested in the minutiae of their life. Or you've got a really interesting, whatever you call it, plot, setup, mystery, whatever that might be. And really, the characters, you can even not like the characters and it's still great. Like for me, I mean, I would say um, um, big monster movie in New York with the thing that crashed Cloverfield. into the city. Cloverfield. Like the character in- Schwarzenegger in it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in everything, isn't he? Um but um it's like I don't think I was really invested in the characters in that film. And to be honest, they're kind of unlikable almost, a bit like Blair Witch Project. The the characters in there, they're not particularly likable. You kind of relate to who they are to some degree, but you're not particularly rooting for them. But what's happening, the mystery of what's happening. And or or not mystery, you know, with Cloverfield, the just the 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 action that's happening is so compelling that I can imagine myself in that situation. I don't have to relate to the characters, I think, but I can I can imagine I suppose that's something. I either relate to the characters very strongly or I relate to the situation very strongly. And I can yeah, totally relate get- to being lost in the woods or some being stuck in the city with some disaster happening. That's never happened yeah. to me, but you know can imagine it i'm thinking of a film that kind of brings both those together in equal measures brilliant probably why why it's you know a really great film is jaws just to mention jaws again because you've got a great you've got a great plot in terms of you know i'm just talking about you know the second half of the film you're on the boat okay there's a monster out there yeah that's that's kind of cool because at any point it's it's gonna appear and you're gonna have to kind of fight it and deal with it so that's kind of cool so you're invested in just you know what's going to happen next in terms of the plot but you've also got some really cool characters i mean particularly quint who's you know um who's a great character to kind of you you become invested in him and his tales and 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 his view on things um and it I mean, all three are great, so right? Two things reeling you in, as well as yeah. you know, and Brody or whatever. But yeah, but, you know. And so I think, in terms of gaming, you know, if you've got a if you've got a good a good plot, a good kind of you know, um, you know, you've got the equivalent of Jaws is out there, and you've got to deal with it. And that's that's cool, okay. But introduce some really interesting NPCs who are working with the PCs, you know, or, or at least neutral. Um, that actually allow you to kind of change the pace and tone from time to time, you know, so you can, you can kind of have that, you can have the, you know, the scene where uh, Quint's talking about the Indianapolis mm. uh, in some sort of parallel way that you're, you've got in your game where you've got this, you know, old timer talking about, you know, back in, back in the summer of, you know, 1873, there was that thing happened and then you get a chance to kind of explore some past and do it rather than a handout it comes through you know a dialogue yeah. uh, and and, and it, you know and the whole intention to draw the players further into the plot and make it interesting is and, and often making the plot bigger than what's going on now is a great way to make that investment more because you know it's not just it's not just that meteorite that fell last night we're dealing with we're dealing with something that happened keeps repeating is that is the um it's what that wonderful episode of the X-Files does really well. You know, the um, Tombs one where they're dealing with the, the stretchy man. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And in and of itself, that's, you know, great story. Interesting. You want to see what happens. He's, he's an interesting character. Yeah. But what makes it better is the fact that he, he, he has to do it every so many years. Mm. And you have that character of the old uh, retired police officer 
who never could solve the case but knew it was wrong and he talks about the horror that he encountered with tombs back in the day yeah and it just adds this other whole layer on top of it which makes it more compelling so that's kind of what i'm talking about i think yeah it, it's i mean to to craig's question it's a very difficult one to answer in a in a nutshell isn't it how do you make how do you keep the game fresh for experienced players i mean in a and all these things we said i think are, are good um <clears throat> I think for me, if I would try and put it in a nutshell, I think it's to your job and not just your job as keeper, but your job as as player to the other players as well. It's to just try and spark people's imagination. You know, it's it's about if if something inspires my imagination, and that can be me imagining there's a monster outside the door, or you know, that there's some sort of mystery and I want to try and figure what it is, or that you know, I'm imagining shapes in the dark or I'm in the boat and that something might be coming to attack us. I think that's that's part of the fun of role-playing games to me, really, is that imagination and that kind of shared experience of, of imagining and making up a story. Yeah. I mean, part of that, you know, depending on your relationship with your players to some degree, is, is to maybe have that conversation outside of game and talk about okay we've we've played a lot of these scenarios and, and we've done these kind of things and you've you know we played through masks and all that kind of thing you know what 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 was what were the coolest bits for you or, yeah. or what what or what what's the story that we haven't told yet you know or you know and it might be something that links back to an early story with oh remember the time we were doing that investigation and there was that cult and we then and actually we we that was a bit of a sidetrack and we went and did the main plot we never really followed up on that cult. I always kind of really wanted to know what they were up to. And so you're kind of using the players to kind of spin some kind of idea, you know, ideas for you and kind of say, well, actually, yeah, we could go back and, you know, some times pass. What are the, what's that cult actually up to now? And so the players are kind of directing where their attention, their attention they want to go. And, and, and in that way, freshens it up because, you know, they're not just, waiting for you to deliver a plot this week you know they're, they're following yeah. up on a plot of their own design almost and um, chances are that they'll come up with things that maybe you've forgotten or yeah. didn't seem very important to you at the time but I, they for yeah, some I'll, reason it kind of sparked something in their head and they were like oh that was a really good bit and you're like well, that was a show, but be, what you know they, they look over the character sheet and, and, mm. and you know five years ago one of them wrote down oh um strange gem that they picked up in some random scenario that you know you always meant to kind of do something with but forgot about and they they forgot about it was on the character sheet and there you go actually yeah strange yeah right let's now use that and do something with it you know and again yeah. you're building plots that are potentially more personal to the characters and the player's memory so you know hopefully they are you know become more invested because of that and i think it's improvising off that framework of a scenario you've got either one you've created or one that you're using from a published scenario and being willing to you don't have to like when i say improvise doesn't mean make everything up from scratch but if if you can just improvise a little bit around that framework sometimes those are the best bits well i mean you know you could take a published scenario uh which is let's just let's just you know mm. call it a haunted house scenario where you've got a, a family let's say uh, they're all NPCs in the way it's written because the players are coming in as investigators. 
But I mean, you can improvise in that way of saying, okay, all the characters, all these NPCs are going to become the PCs and the players will develop, you know, they get together and work out who's living in this house, whether it's a kind of a kind of like the family in the original or some kind of variation on it um, and just have the stuff happening to them. There's no investigators in this, in this game. They are, you know, they are the people in, in the scene uh, that is happening to them. What are they going to do? And um, it might be, they ring up their, their, <laughs> the, the players, <laughs> other investigators coming out of them. I don't know, but yeah. that's all possible. And it suddenly creates a really interesting dynamic because suddenly now their investigators are actually NPCs being run by the people who's basing it on how the players have played them. And, um, and it changes the game around a bit. It makes it kind of fun and, and a little different, you know? Yeah. I mean, essentially this question is like, how do I make interesting stories? Yeah, and man, that's, that's quite. A <laughs> if we had the answer to, uh, <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah, hopefully the published materials um, give you interesting situations and interesting stuff to work with, um, and, and you can build on that. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely, a perennial question, really. It is, yeah, it is, but it's a good question, and um, yeah, yeah. So thanks, Craig, for uh, sending that in. And if you, you know, you're listening and uh, watching and you've got uh, a question similar uh, about, you know, gaming or you want to talk more about Jaws, uh, whatever it may be, then, yeah, uh, yeah but, you know, do uh, drop us a note to uh, our email, which is, Paul. Well, do we have an email? Uh, we've got an email, haven't we? <laughs> Eldritchstories.com. Uh, is that the email as well? Well, we've got a website. We've got a website. You can get the email on there. Yes. Or you can just yes. post to the website, can't you? Yeah. You see, we're, very, can... um, we're very uh, technical and proficient. On yeah, we're sounding very professional here. Yeah. So we've got the website, eldritchstories.com. You can come over and subscribe there, or you can find the show on all the places you might find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And we're also on YouTube, where you can watch us doing the Eldritch Extras, should you so wish. So there you go. So yeah, come and watch, come and listen, and send us your uh, send us your feedback or ideas. It's always good to hear them. So uh, thanks for that. And um, is there anything else, uh, Paul, today, or are we uh, at our allotted time? I, I think I think we're about there. Yeah, we're about oh, there. That's, okay. Well, if that's, that's if that's the case, then uh, what's what have we got to tell everyone? Uh, I think we've got one more thing to remind people. Yeah. I think you can tell him, Mike. I'm, I'm is like, it? I, is it me today? Okay, fine. Ah. Okay, well, in that case, uh, look forward to uh, seeing you all later. But in the meantime, keep it eldritch. <laughs>